What's up, everybody? I'm Chris Hampton, your host. No, I'm just kidding. It's me, it's Lana. I'm the office manager here at Power Company. I just wanted to pop in real quick and tell you about something special we're doing. Hopefully you've been enjoying these daily episodes of essays from Chris's book, The Hard Truth, Simple Ways to Become a Better Climber. Maybe you're even thinking you'd like to snag a copy of the book for yourself. Well, it's the perfect time to do so, because right now, through June 10th, in celebration of the one-year anniversary, when you purchase a copy of The Hard Truth, we'll be sending you some extra freebies. And I don't know about you, but I love freebies. Okay, so in addition to a copy of the book and some stickers, you'll also get a commit journal, which is a little notebook that's easy to throw in your pack, jot down some quick notes or whatever, three postcards of illustrated charts from our good friend Brendan Leonard of Semi-Rad Media, and another one of Brendan's charts from the book, The Success Built from Failure's Pyramid, in the form of a refrigerator magnet. So you can slap it on your fridge or camp stove or back of a car, wherever. Oh yeah, and Chris is going to sign your book too, so that's pretty neat. So head on over to powercompanyclimbing.com, click on the hard truth button, or banner, whatever, and you'll get yourself a copy. The offer runs now through June 10th, or until we run out of the free stuff, so don't dilly-dally. And you can find that link in the show notes too, on your handy-dandy pocket supercomputer, as Chris would say. Okay, now on with the show. Selective learning, the short-sighted approach. Through many conversations about training with friends and other climbers, I've discovered one common thread. You can almost always find a reason to continue training the short-sighted way that you have been. What I mean is that if you get attached to your method of training, the method that's worked for years and gotten you to where you are and where you've been for five seasons, then you're probably missing out on some great advice. That is, of course, unless your method is to constantly look for new methods and target new weak areas in your climbing. If that's you, you can just skip this piece. If you're the one who's done exactly the same workout for years and have been stuck at the same grades for most of that time, then you may want to read on. Just be advised that you might not read exactly what you hope. I understand the draw to this style of learning. You pick up a training book, you flip through until you find a passage or a chapter that echoes what you've based all of your training on, and you latch onto it. That's me. I knew I was doing this the right way. It's true. You are doing that the right way. Thing is, there are hundreds of other facets to your training that you're not paying attention to at all. Not to mention, they're all listed right there in that book. You're just looking past them. You see someone stronger than you, maybe even a pro, doing exactly what you've been doing. Yes, Sean McCall trains this way, so it must be right. Absolutely, it's right. For him, in that specific moment. I'm betting Sean trains more than just the one thing you've latched onto. You can look at his climbing and see that it's far more complex than just a circuit on an adjustable wall, but you choose to look past that. It must be that one thing that's elevated him to those heights. Of course it is. Here's what I urge you to do. Reread your training books, including this one when you finish it. Reread the training blogs that you frequent. 
re-listen to our podcast, completely ignore all the things you already knew, and take a deeper look at the things that make you uncomfortable. The things you say you don't need. The things you say won't help you. Look past your fears, your hang-ups, and your preconceived notions. Chances are, you know what you're missing. You know because you've argued with yourself about it, and you always win. Let the other you win this time. Or at least give her a chance. She might just surprise you. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Cristaro. Um, I'm a coach for Power Company Climbing, and also I run a gym in Chattanooga called Crux Conditioning. And you are a our our like strength training expert, as well as a a community builder. I love what you're building over there at Crux. Yeah, that that makes me pretty psyched to hear because you're good at building communities too, and you know, that's one of the goals for Crux is to build that community in Chattanooga. We've been hearing more and more of that lately. So I'm psyched about it. Onward. More to do. I hear, I hear good things about Crux all the time from people who stop in, who are traveling through or people who've, you know, started training there. So very psyched and, and so psyched to have you on this team. Likewise. Always happy. Don't plan on going anywhere. So, yeah. This the reason I thought you'd be a good fit for this chapter is because you are constantly working with people, you're talking to people, and inevitably the people who come into Crux or who, you know, come to you for coaching have looked and listened and, you know, absorbed all this information because there's a fuckload of it out in the world about how to get better at whatever it is you're trying to get better at, you know. And something I often see, and I'm curious to know your experience with it, but something I often see is this selective learning. It's essentially confirmation bias, right? When I, when I wrote this chapter, I didn't have that language necessarily. Um, I wrote it years ago for the blog, but that's essentially what it is. Someone has a hypothesis, they know what works, and they go looking for evidence to prove that what they're already doing is right. That's funny because in my notes, that's actually the first thing I have written down and it's underlined is confirmation bias. So yeah, you cover it. That's what it is. You know, that's what this selective learning is for sure. And it's out there. Do you, when clients come into your gym and are, you know, giving you their goals and you give them, you know, you tell them what you think they should be doing to improve. Do you often hear people say, well, what about this? This is what I've been doing and it's been working. I'd say it's about 60% not that and about 40% that. There's definitely people and, you know, it's, it's cool having the people who obviously take the time to think about how they can improve and do research and look into ways to take their training, you know, and try and be autonomous and do it themselves, which I think you know, everybody should in, in ways and take control of that. Um, I think it's cool when those people realize it's time to reach out, but it's also funny when a lot of those people also hear what you have to say and hear the recommendations you take places and then think they need to do it the other way because they call it somewhere else. So it's both a good and a bad thing I'd say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something that like as someone who puts out media into the world constantly, you know, thousands of words every month and, you know, a book and blogs and, 
workshops and all these things, it's something I'm constantly aware of because I, I like see people light up when they they hear something that validates what they've done in the past. They're like, oh, yeah, this is true. This is me, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, then let's let's ignore that for a minute. What about the things that you didn't like to hear? What in this made you uncomfortable? You know, and was there something that like poked at you and prodded at you? And and hopefully that's what the book did for people. But I know there are still people out there. And it's why I included this chapter near the end saying, reread the book now, because now you need to go back and pay close attention to the things that hurt your feelings a little bit. And it's, it's emotional responses aren't fun sometimes to things, realizing totally. you've been wrong at something. And you're not necessarily wrong, but maybe you just know you need to move on. Um, I have something noted here that like, maybe that was the, was the right way to take things, you know, three years ago, maybe that was your weakness. Um, yeah. Just because you need to take a different approach now, maybe doesn't mean you were wrong. It just means it's an evolution in your growth and training, growth and training and, you know, performance and, what used to be a weak spot for you maybe isn't your weak spot anymore, or maybe that focusing so much on that weak spot at the time has led to circling back around to maybe need to go back and readdress your strengths in a different way. Yeah, absolutely. So it's not necessarily you've done something wrong, or it yeah. could be you've done something wrong, but you know, it's not an automatic negative shit. I fucked up. Like I've been doing this wrong the whole time. It's, just, it's time to take that next step and evolve and you know, continue to, do what you need to do, not what you've always been doing. Right, exactly. If you if you don't think that you should be changing how you approach your improvement, that essentially says to me, you don't think you've changed. You're the same person you were when you began this journey of improvement. And that sort of deletes the entire idea of improving, right? Mm-hmm. It's funny. I've been a... So I've been diving pretty hard back into sport climbing. This is a personal on my training and climbing development. I've been digging back into sport climbing the last probably three, four years now after Mm -hmm. exclusively bouldering for four to five years and going into changing back into sport climbing. My obvious weak weak spot was energy systems. My endurance wasn't great. I didn't have any staying power on roots. I've spent two to three years very highly focusing on that. And I've been improving in my climbing and I've had, I had a really good sport climbing season this year. But it's also the end of this year, I realized, oh, I need to start working on strength and power again. What used to be yeah. my strength is maybe a little weakness now. Like I can't do hard boulders at the end of a route anymore with the level I've started kind of dipping my toe in because not because my energy system or my endurance isn't there. It's, I need to work yeah. on strength and power again. So it's time to circle back around and change things up and undo what I've just assumed have been my primary training goals it's time to change them yeah absolutely. when you, you mentioned a few minutes ago that emotional responses aren't aren't fun a lot of the time and and that's absolutely true and as someone who works in person with people often and you get to see their emotional response not just hear it via text you know Are there strategies you use to either, you know, wade in slowly, you know, tiptoe into that emotion or do you, are you like blunt instrument, like 
like this book is or you're just hitting people with it? Or how do you talk to people when you know they're having an emotional response to this thing you want them to try and they're vehemently opposed? Um, like a lot of things, it really depends on the person, you know, and it's easier to do when it's with someone you've worked with for a while, you know how to, you know, pick the right words or pick the right tone. Like Mm -hmm. some people you kind of have to baby a little bit. You got to be very careful what you say. I think the concept of nocebos, well, that can be thrown around and overused a lot. I think that can be a very important part of this conversation, like telling something they're bad at something or, you know, their weakness, this is their weakness as opposed to like, you know, this is an area where you've got a low hanging fruit. Let's pursue that for a while. Things along those lines. You got to meet the person with where they're at. Then there are other people where you just need to like friendly shit talk them and be blunt. And you know, it just, you got to meet the person with where they're at. That is easier to do when you're in person with someone. Cause especially if you work with someone for a while, if you know how they respond, you build up this time interacting with them and realizing what words or what tones are going to get across to them, uh, what words or what tones not to use that are just going to piss them off. You piss someone off or create too much of that emotional response, they'll just shut down and they don't want to hear what you have to say. You just kind of nod their head and, yep, yep, you're right, you're right, you're right, yep, yep. And then, you know, two weeks later, you're having the same conversation because they haven't even really thought about anything. They just blocked it out. So yeah. it depends on the person. You got to just you got to understand where the person's coming from and find the right words. Um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. Um, it's something I like, I regularly consider. Um, I wouldn't say I struggle with it because I'm pretty comfortable in putting out something that's really blunt and punches people in the face, but I'm also really comfortable in putting out something that says, maybe this word isn't the best word and we could find a better way to do this, you know, across the board in general. Um, and that's something I've learned in this last year, you know, especially starting with the pandemic and the uh, Black Lives Matter uprising and really taking into consideration what words I'm using Um, what information I'm putting out there and whether there's context for it or not. I've, I've recognized that I can hold multiple truths at the same time. I can be this blunt object, but I can also be this person who is more considerate of how other people are receiving the information that I put out there. Um, And that's exactly what you're talking about. And I think that bluntness, definitely needs to be considered more this day and age, not because, you know, Mm -hmm. we should be worried about backlash, like considering how we speak shouldn't just be considered in our own self-defense. We really need to consider how we affect other people and step outside of our box. And like, no, you can't just say something and then people get rightly offended and be like, ah, shit, people can't take a joke. Like that shit shouldn't be an excuse anymore. So I think that's super important these days. Totally, totally. And, you know, I, I believe I've said this before, but I believe in the power of words to inspire. So how can I not believe in the power of words to harm or to shut somebody down? Um, so giving them this kind of information, like if I see that someone is reacting to the book where I'm punching them in the face, 
in a negative way and they're getting really defensive, then I'm going to try another tactic, you know, and not just keep hammering away at their face. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's really important to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, I, I appreciate you taking the time. I know you've got a crazy busy schedule over there at Crux and, and with, Taylor in super mega gardener mode. She's probably probably on you, which uh, which she, my wife is constantly. So yeah. she, she's leading the garden charge. I'm just support. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I can eat, I can eat see, all the food and veggies that come out. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, perfect. Uh, did you? Since we're talking about the book, did you happen to see Brendan's post about plants yesterday? I did. I sent it right to Taylor immediately. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So perfect. I thought the same thing because Annalise has been buying plants like crazy and all the flowers are coming up and Brendan just has a knack for making his little charts that are so timely and mean so much to so many people. So yeah, it's great. It's yeah. There's a reason you had him, you know, collaborate with the book, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. And uh, we will talk again soon. Absolutely. Tomorrow, climb better faster. The often missing piece. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles.